I, Eric J. Holcomb. Eric Holcomb became Indiana's 51st governor on Monday, capping one of the most unusual statewide campaigns anyone can remember. Six months ago, Holcomb wasn't even a long shot to win the governor's race, largely because back then he wasn't even in the race. Hi, I'm John Schwannis, and on this edition of Indiana Lawmakers, we'll talk to our special guest, Governor Eric Holcomb, about how he got to this point, and more important, about where he now wants to take the state of Indiana. Together we are the pioneers who will take our state to that next level. And I'm chomping at the bit to start. Eric Holcomb was only a few months into his tenure as lieutenant governor when, in mid-July, Donald Trump tapped Governor Mike Pence to be his running mate. Two weeks later, armed with Pence's endorsement, Holcomb beat out two members of Congress and a state senator to take Pence's place on November's gubernatorial ballot. That gave the 48-year-old Hoosier native, a longtime GOP political operative, just 106 days to wage battle with Democratic nominee John Gregg, who narrowly lost to Pence four years earlier. Buoyed by Trump's landslide win in Indiana, Holcomb ended up defeating Gregg by six percentage points. Holcomb's next challenge will be advancing his agenda in the current legislative session. His top priorities, a two-year state budget that maintains roughly $1.8 billion in reserves, the investment of $1 billion over 10 years to make Indiana what he describes as an innovation hub, a 20-year plan to upgrade Indiana's roads and bridges, an expansion of the state's pre-kindergarten pilot program, the elimination of the elective office that oversees the Indiana Department of Education, and a reduction in Hoosiers' dependence on drugs, both legal and illegal. The governor will make his case to fellow Hoosiers on Tuesday in his first State of the State address. Back in a moment with Governor Eric Holcomb, Indiana lawmakers, from the State House to your house. Purdue startups speak modalities, helping children and families coping with nonverbal autism to develop communication skills, helping people changing lives. Purdue Research Foundation. Contact innovation at prf.org. And joining me now is the first Indiana governor to take office in the state's third century and the first Hoosier governor in a long, long time to prefer cowboy boots to wingtips, Republican Eric Holcomb. Great Thank you be. for uh, joining us. Yeah, great to be with you, and I'm not changing my boots either. I wondered if they had a formal version of that for the inaugural ball, but, uh, but I guess not. We'll start it. <laughs> and one other distinction you might want to put in your bio or not, you know, another first for you. Sure. You're the first Indiana governor younger than <laughs> I am. I know you can't tell it from the hair. I'll take but, that as a compliment. Well, we will. Well, thank you for being here. I do want to get into some sub substantive sorts of things, the policies and the proposals that you have put forth, and we'll be talking about it in your State of the State address. But first of all, you've got to tell me a week into it, what's the coolest thing about being governor? Well, you, you get to make uh, the final decision, um, but it's informed. And uh, I think the, the ability to actually get things done is, uh, is a pretty exciting prospect. So I take each and every day as, a, as an opportunity and a responsibility, and we're not going to squander one minute of it. And what do you think you will like least about being the chief executive of the state? Well, it's, you, you lose somewhat of your privacy, obviously. Um, you have to factor in uh, more time to do the little things in life if you want to go to Marsh and pick up, uh, or Kroger, or Trader Joe's, you know, wherever. You have to cover all the bases yeah, cover now, them all that, you're, now. Yeah, that that's, that's part of it. Um, if, you, if you're just going out to pick up some orange juice, uh, you need to add a little extra time to say hello to everyone. 
Now, you're sitting here, of course, because of some unusual circumstances that, as I mentioned in the open, might not have been foreseen even six months ago. Your boss, Mike Pence, is in Washington now uh, in a fairly high position. Mm -hmm. What do you think Indiana as a state can derive from having a vice president, uh, a Hoosier who is in the vice president's office? Uh, and what do you expect, uh, what leverage does it give you as governor? Well, uh, thankfully, uh, he returns my phone calls, and uh, that goes a... Well, at least for now. Uh, yeah, at I mean, least for now, yeah. I haven't asked anything outlandish. Um, but we've known each other going all the way back to... We both uh, graduated from Hanover College, and uh, he was good enough to accept an invitation I made to him back in the 80s uh, to come back to the school and uh, address some of the students. And uh, so I've known him ever since then and followed him uh, each and every year thereafter. And, and to think that then uh, when I answered his call to serve as his lieutenant governor and then as things unfolded that he would go on to become uh, our, the sixth Hoosier actually to become vice president of the United States of America, it certainly is a benefit. Not, and, and it doesn't stop there because he brings with him others from the state of Indiana. We've really been in the spotlight for much of 2016, and it's continued into 2017. You, you just uh, reported earlier that uh, Dan Coates will, in all likelihood, be the next director of the national intelligence. And we've got Apparently folks... being your boss is a good thing, because whether it's Dan well, Coates or Mitch Dan, you always go on to apparently something. Well, that... you know, they say birds of a feather uh, <laughs> flock together, but I, I think that uh, I have always tried to, uh, from an early age, learn from the best. And uh, we'll get things done because of that. And you say, you joke that you're getting your phone calls returned now because you haven't asked for anything. Do you see that changing? What, what do you want to get out of this? I mean, is there something you want to see Washington do that you think you might have leverage because of these connections that you enjoy? Yes, I hope so. And, and the good news is that we're on the same page anyway. I think if we can devolve some of the authority and power outside of our nation's capital, much of it has flowed to Washington. If we can return that uh, authority, rightly so, I believe, uh, to the states uh, and get the job done, whether it's got to do with workforce training programs or health care delivery, um, on and on and on, transportation programs, we'll be able to better get the job done faster. And we're closer to the, to the people, to the constituents, and it's a win-win. And so I think having this uh, relationship, the Trump-Pence administration, this almost perfect P3 arrangement where our, our next, our president-elect has spent a career in the private sector getting things done, delegating, making sure the job gets done. And he asked former governor, now vice president-elect Mike Pence, who spent a very successful career in the public sector, uh, on the Hill, and then uh, as <clears throat> excuse me, as governor of the state of Indiana, when they join forces, their whole mission is to get this country on track. And so I'll look to be a partner in each and every way I can be. Of course, there are a lot of question marks, as, as, as we all have discussed, about the future of Medicare, uh, other sorts of entitlement programs. Obviously, the state has yeah. a stake in, in right. the partnership that they now maintain with the federal government in funding these sorts of programs. Certainly, the Affordable Care Act is another example. Right. Does that at all uh, unnerve you that you go into this not knowing necessarily uh, how the chessboard is, is going to be laid out? Well, again, you know, you, 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 take, uh, you take the hand you're dealt and, uh, and play it, and as I see it, Every governor, regardless of what political jersey you wear, every governor in the state of Indiana uh, is waiting for the new administration uh, to be formally installed and, and, and get going. 
And there will be a transitionary period as we, uh, the governors, are presenting their budgets, as I just did earlier this week. Uh, other governors are doing the very same thing all around the country. Uh, that will have an impact on um, our budgets. And so we'll have to be nimble enough and uh, be able to tweak our, our uh, process as it unfolds as their initiatives roll out as well. But we'll, we'll be working with them hand in glove, and that's the most exciting thing is that um, I really do believe that we have a partner now in the White House and on the Hill. You talk about working uh, with partners in Washington. Let me ask you about partners here in Indianapolis, because a lot of times governors, chief executives are judged by their interaction with other branches of government, with other institutions. Uh, we're seeing it unfold in Washington, mm -hmm. sort of a new, uh, again, right. some question marks sure. about how that, that interplay will unfold. If I ask you about the Indiana General Assembly, Give me your take on, on what you're dealing with there. Is it a partner? Do you see them as a, um, somebody to win over to your side? What, what's, what's your take on it? Well, I see them as strong partners, and they've been there, done that. Uh, and so we're not starting from scratch. I see that as an advantage as well. We happen to be also, um, on a personal level, friends. And I've, I've uh, in different um, careers in my life, worked with You've them. Had a few. I've, yeah. had a, I've had a few different ones and uh, was always there to, to help. And so um, I am very encouraged at, the, at this just first week. You know, I'm formally day four on the job, uh, but that doesn't mean we started working on Monday together. Um, the first thing I focused on was making sure that I got my gubernatorial staff in place, the uh, cabinet in place, the agency uh, leaders in place, made sure that they were aligned with the agenda that I was forming up, and um, and then also we're, we're developing those uh, relations with the legislative leaders and members. And uh, so I've already started formally meeting with members this week, and but have been meeting with the leaders for weeks on end. So we're not starting from scratch. Uh, we all share the same goals. That's another, I think, very important part of this successful uh, mix and partnership is that we're all focused on how we continue to grow and strengthen our economy. We're all focused on a truly 20-year roads and bridges uh, fully funded program. We're all focused on a workforce uh, that's equipped for the 21st century needs. We're all focused on attacking the drug epidemic. And and they're as interested in... You're getting good at ticking well, off those well, uh, talking points. Well, so, <coughs> well it's what I'm going to be focused on. And we have to, in addition, provide great state government service at a great, I think, taxpayer value. That's what we're paid to do. Let me ask you about one other. I don't want to leave out the judiciary since that is another That's branch right. of government. Right. You don't have as much to do with them on a day-to-day -day basis, but some Republicans see the judiciary almost as an obstacle to good government, you know, the, the phrase activist judges and so forth. How do you see the Indiana judiciary and, and any sort of interaction you might I have? I think they're as, as strong as any in the country. And uh, I have been in close contact with them as well on a regular basis out of uh, respect for the branch and, and the individuals themselves. And chances are you might get a pick. Now, of course, Indiana has a more elaborate process. You don't just go into your yeah. Rolodex and, and circle a name, uh, that someone you met and liked in the past to be a Supreme Court justice. No, but if three names are given to you, generally speaking, though, what are you looking for? in a Supreme Court justice. Do you well, have a litmus test of any kind? Well, someone who will follow the Constitution is, is the obvious. Um, uh, but this will be the, one of the most important decisions I'll make. It will far outlive me and my time here in this temporary assignment. So uh, we'll need to get that right. But I'll want someone who is very thoughtful, experienced, uh, and that will 
um, uh, be a constitutionalist. That's my training as well, uh, going all the way back to a, a constitutional professor that I had at Hanover College. He's the guy that kind of got me on the path that I'm on right now, so I blame him for sitting here doing the interview with you <laughs> right now. Uh, but, no, it'll be the most important decision, one of, that I'll make. When you say following the Constitution, you're not delving into particular issues. You know, Donald Trump, for instance, has suggested effectively that somebody would have to be pro-life uh, or opposed to Roe v. Wade to, to get his nod. You're, you don't parse it in that uh, precise a manner? No, I think I think that the individual needs to follow the needs to follow, not uh, make their own rules or see themselves as the person who is evolving the Constitution themselves. And so, um, I won't hone in on any one issue. It'll be in totality that I make my decision. All right, one more uh, branch. This isn't a branch of government, actually, but one more institution mm. that you deal with uh, before we get into the policy: the press, the Indiana Press Corps. How do you see your uh, we've, you know, we've heard all about fake news. We've heard about a lot of tensions. We've seen a lot of tensions uh, between the incoming president and the, and the White House press corps. What do you expect over the next four years or beyond in terms of your interaction with the media? Well, it's interesting. You know, just in my relatively short period of time, um, about 12 years now in this arena, the political arena, um, I've had the good benefit of developing relationships uh, with with folks in the media in the fourth estate and and uh, I am impressed by those who um, seek to um, cover uh, and share the news not not necessarily create it and there's a there's kind of a fine line right now between all the sources of, of information some are um, they could be in their basement right now and call themselves a, a reporter uh, but answer to no one but themselves and their own uh, motives and so there is a distinction, but I have great respect for the fourth estate to do their job and and expect them to to cover the news that I'm making. Well, let's talk about the news you're making and let's talk about some of the policy proposals that you put forth. You mentioned the budget proposal that you uh, issued uh, submitted this week. Uh, it it covers a lot of bases, fairly ambitious. You talked about a few things a moment ago. Hmm. Uh, the willingness to perhaps raise taxes to fund for 20 years a legitimate, uh, well-funded road and bridge construction program, a billion-dollar investment in, in technologies, government grants and so forth, more money for maybe teachers, state police, drug treatment, uh, interdiction, all of these sorts of things, s making it easier for local governments maybe to engage in needle exchange programs. I don't want to offend you, but when you look at that budget, some might say it's almost a progressive hmm. budget in, the, in that there's a willingness to raise revenue, mm -hmm. a willingness to put government in the driver's seat in terms of being a machine of economic development, as in the case of the, the grants for the Innovation Hub, as opposed to sort of government's bad, cut it out of the picture. Are you, are you changing colors on us here? Is it a, is it a different <laughs> no. uh, change in stripes? No, not at all. It's... Uh... We'll, we'll still continue to live within our means. We'll, our budget was honestly balanced, no gimmicks. It, it'll be another one. Uh, Hoosiers have come to not just uh, expect that, but to uh, respect it. And uh, so ours will be honestly balanced. Uh, ours will encourage the jobs of the future. And um, what I mean by that is over the next four years, what I believe we need to spend our time focusing on is 
where that where that path will lead us to in 20. And that requires us to have a workforce that is ready. It requires us um, to, to have an economy that is dynamic and vibrant. And so we need to be doing the things today, not in five years, not in 10 years, not in 15 years. Um, it requires us to address the issues that are holding us back and not, not remain in denial. Uh, the, the states that do those things will be par- prosperous in 20 years. The states that think that they can just hold on uh, will be left behind. And so I'll spend every single day uh, uh, seeking out good ideas that will catapult us even further out front. But every time, I, I had the ability to go over to the United Kingdom um, even before I was sworn in, and I visited some of our partners, corporate partners, um, and was able to share the five areas that I was going to focus on that I truly believe will take our state to that next level. And I can just tell you, it was unanimous that they were all pleased that we were focused on the things um, that, that they and we will need to not just compete, but to win in the future. And that's what I'll remain focused on. And again, you do see government as part of the, the economic engine that to drive this, the notion of having these grants and being part of it. I, I don't want yeah. uh, to stay on this well, point, but no, a lot no, no. of your colleagues in the Republican sure. Party would say, the best thing to do is get government the heck out well, of the government, way. Government has a role, like it or not. And, uh, and I want it to help, not hurt. And I don't want it to be a hurdle. And too many states believe that, that uh, government can solve all problems and get involved in all areas of your life. I don't believe that. We're, we happen to be the fourth freest state in the country, and I uh, applaud that and would, would like us to be number three, and then two, and then one. Um, that does not believe uh, mean that uh, I believe that we can shed our duty and uh, our responsibility and the oath that I took to make sure uh, that uh, Hoosiers are, one, safe, uh, and, and two, have the opportunity and the freedom to determine their destiny. And uh, that's the most important part and what I take seriously. And, and again, some of these ambitious plans, when you talk about a 10-year plan for economic development and becoming an innovation hub, 20-year plan for roads and bridges, some of these will take more revenue, and you've acknowledged sure. that. You are not hamstrung, apparently, by the notion of, of the clarion call, no new taxes? No. If we want new um, maintenance to occur, and if we want new roads, if we want a, uh, a new fourth port, if we want a, a new track, double track, uh, the South Shore Line, um, it, 100 years ago in 1916, we built a single track. The government was involved. And if we want to double track that, if we want to tap into the third biggest economy in the country, Chicago, and um, help spur economic development all across that line, really not just from Gary to Michigan City, but ultimately to South Bend. If we want to connect those two, we will need to be involved and we will show that leadership. If we want to build a fourth port, if we want to attract the, go back a few years, the Honda um, on Governor Daniels' watch, uh, we were only able to do that because we had the money to do that because of a uh, toll road lease. Uh, we were able to build an exit. So when they were looking around the country and they said, well, could you, could you build us an exit? We could afford to do so. Um, and so government has a role and it needs to be there to help, not hurt. It certainly doesn't um, need to crowd out the private sector. And that's what I'm so proud of is today as we sit here, uh, we have more people working in the private sector than in any other time in our 200 year history. 
doesn't mean we have more work to do. We have a lot more work to do. And uh, the encouraging thing for me is uh, that we'll continue to lead on that front. You know, Scott, P. Lath, uh, Michigan City Democrat who leads the uh, minority, the Democratic minority in the House, has said he wants, he thinks it's the, uh, the duty of the governor to go out and sort of lead the charge in the public relations campaign for a fuel tax increase. Are you willing to do that, or are you going to leave that to uh, your 150 friends uh, down the hall? Well, I'm working with them, and, uh, and we have a good track record going back the last 12 years of getting things done and uh, getting the state on track. And so um, I'll, I'll leave uh, the leader's opinions to himself, and he can, he can lead his caucus, and, and uh, I'll lead on my agenda. And the most important thing for me is to make sure that when we leave um, on April 29th on time, uh, if not early, but on time. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> right? Yeah, All right. Yeah. On time. Uh, that we leave with a long-term roads and bridges uh, program that's fully funded, that's data-driven, and uh, I'm confident we'll get there. Your immediate predecessor, Mike Pence, used to talk about the guardrail he would put up in terms of dealing with the General Assembly. When we talk about revenue enhancements, otherwise known as tax increases, is there a guardrail that you, certain things we've seen, you know, uh, alternative or electric vehicle fee, we've seen a fee, a $15 fee proposed for all vehicles in the state. Of course, we talked about the increased fuel taxes. Tolling is another option. Is there a guardrail where you say, this is a tax I don't like? Well, there, I have preferences, um, but I made a commitment to the, to the leaders very early on that I would um, uh, work to keep all things on the table, uh, but that we needed, to get, we needed to get a deal done before we all go home. And, um, and so that's a commitment that I'll keep. I'm a man of my word, and, and I mean that. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that I, I don't prefer tolling existing highways, um, but uh, if we're adding lanes... Uh, I'm open to that. And so I want to make sure that as, as the session unfolds and uh, we start to look at what, what we're dialing up and what we're dialing down, um, that all things are on the table. And speaking of tax increases that may or may not be on the table, cigarette tax increase. There's a proposal for as much as $1.50 a pack. Most of it would go toward uh, smoking cessation, uh, reduction in, in what's seen as behaviors that cause cancer and other sorts of maladies. Uh, maybe some of that money could be used to backfill general fund mm -hmm. monies that could be used for roads and bridges. Where do you stand on that? Same category, keeping everything on the table. Um, I want to make sure that when it comes to road and bridge maintenance and new construction and finishing what we started, we've, we've been cutting taxes here in the state of Indiana uh, over the last 12 years, and it will continue uh, to be in a position to where we can live within our means because of that, because of uh, reducing those taxes has, has attracted business to, businesses to come here uh, and provide opportunity. But if we're serious about building new roads and completing new projects and maintaining what we have, we're going to have to find new sources of revenue. And that's what this next four months will be all about. Tuesday night, your first State of the State address. Uh, since just two of us talking here, really, uh, why don't you tell right. me any surprises that might... Uh, you always got to save something back that wasn't in the. Just throw me, throw me a bone here. What do you? Uh, well, I'm not going to share any of the jokes, um, but uh, no, hey, I'll, I'm a fan of stale jokes. Uh, no, I'll continue to, I'll continue to focus on the five areas that I really do believe, and and they weren't uh, created in a vacuum. These were, um, these were areas that folks were sharing with me. Attacking the drug epidemic was something that came up 
every day when I was out on the trail and continues to. And you've and, already done something about and it we've with already the executive order. creating Big time, big time. And we'll do more. Um, but, but you don't just arrive there um, by yourself. And so we'll, we'll be focused on, on uh, making sure that the, the public at large, those who turn, tune in, uh, 6.5 million Hoosiers that may watch, um, know that I'm serious about focusing on those five areas. Very good, youngster. I appreciate uh, <laughs> your coming in and uh, during what I know was a very busy first week. I uh, appreciate it and best of uh, luck to you in the, in the days and months ahead. Again, my guest has been Indiana's newly inaugurated governor, Eric Holcomb. The road to improving Indiana's infrastructure is paved with good intentions, but the road to funding it all could be a little bumpy on the next Indiana Lawmakers. Time now for our weekly conversation with Ed Feigenbaum, publisher of the newsletter, Indiana Legislative Insight. Well, Ed, what'd you learn from the, uh, the discussion? Well, I think he's going to be a, a little, you, you tried to pin him down, I'm basically, you know, whether he's going to be a Daniels kind of guy, a Pence kind of guy, and I think he, he's going to be or a little... Or none of the above, I guess. Yeah, and, and I think that that's what it is. Um, you know, be the, uh, the Marie Osmond of Indiana politics. He'll be a little bit country and a little bit rock and roll, a little bit Daniels and a little bit Pence, but I think... What you saw today was a governor who's going to be just straightforward, upfront, no drama. You know, he, he's going to stick to his knitting. He's got, and it, it's not talking points with him. He's got platform points, and I think that differs from you know some of the other politicians in the state that, that we've seen over the years. And he's very sincere about getting to certain points, and that's going to be to his advantage with the legislature. You know, they're not going to look for uh, you know anything beyond the agenda there from him. And I think he's going to be able to work things out with them on on some of the things that, that you talked about, whether it was was tolling or or taxes or you know replacing a hole in the general fund or whatever for roads and transportation. But he's he's going to be a different kind of a governor, I think, than we become used to. Well, his biggest agenda items, in my assessment, happen to coincide with the, the top priorities of both the caucuses, uh, Democratic and Republican caucuses, and the leaders of those, those groups. Is that accidental, or, or is it just that the problems facing Indiana are so clear that everybody's arriving at the same conclusions? I think the, the problems, and as the governor also indicated, the opportunities, opportunities are so, so clear. And, and gee, wouldn't it be nice if we had this kind of agreement in, in, in Washington as well? But that's another thing I think that, that you can expect from this governor. He talked about five years, 10 years, 15 years from now. And I think that the one thing that you're going to see from him that you've not seen in, in more than a generation from Hoosier governors is thinking ahead at least 10 years, preferably 20, and where he can, 30 years to figure out where we want to be and then work with the legislature to get us there. Any surprises you're looking for on Tuesday? Um, I guess basically whether he's going to use human bumper stickers or not, you know, whether he's going to point to people up in, in the gallery and say this is the example of the kind of person, whatever, that we've, we've seen from other governors. But I think he, he really showed you that, that he's got those five areas he's going to talk about, deal with, and those are the things he's going to concentrate on, and that's it. All right. I'll never look at him again without seeing Marie Osmond, so thanks for planting that seed in my head. Ed, thanks you. thank you as always for your insight. See you next week. For more information, episode streams, and extra content, visit us on the web at wfyi.org lawmakers. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can access live streaming coverage of the General Assembly on the Internet as well. And remember, you can get our show on demand from Xfinity. 
Well, that concludes another edition of Indiana Lawmakers. I'm John Schwannis, and on behalf of WFYI Public Media, Indiana's other public broadcasting stations, and my colleague Ed Feigenbaum, I thank you for joining us, and I invite you to visit WFYI.org for more statehouse coverage. Until next week, take care. Purdue researcher Phil Owens is creating new ways to map soil functions, improve plant growth, and increase crop yields, leading through innovation and job creation. Purdue Research Foundation. Contact innovation at prf.org.